Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Cleveland Study Group. Let's get focused by having a three-minute moment of meditation, followed by the Fog Life Prayer in just a moment or two. Good evening, everyone. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Chris. Hi, Chris. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mike Chase. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to start the meditation in a minute, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or distract others for the duration of the meeting. Uh, if you're playing cribbage or texting your next... Boyfriend, girlfriend, put it on pause till after the meeting. If you want to hear something, this is a great place to hear it. And the coffee area is going to be closed for this portion of the meeting so as to minimize distractions. Unless you want to go get some more coffee, feel free to go get some. Also, refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. For the meditation, some suggestions are focus on your breath and your posture. Breathe in God and breathe out self. So let's take this time to get reconnected to God, or let's take this time to get the stuff that's blocking us from God out of the way so we can have a nice, open communication with our higher powers tonight. Let the craziness of the day just drift away, and ask God to help you stay focused on this study take. Glad you guys are all here. We'll see you guys in three minutes. Enjoy your time with God.
can join us in the fog light prayer. If you don't know it, it's really easy. Just repeat after me. God, God let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Um, and we have an opportunity to have our secretary's report, and that would be Miss Tanisha and Ryan. Yay! Hi, my name is Tanisha, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hey, hey Tanisha. Tanisha. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states, every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I back Sterling to read the recovered statement. Thank you, sir. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Sterling Alcoholic. Hey, Sterling. Recovered, we are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That present, a conflict of some alcoholics. We, are, we were cured. We could be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. That allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. But sanity, that was the problem. The main problem of alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are, so, we are now saying we are, we're where alcoholics is considered. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Sterling. 1940 style, Big Book sponsorship from 4th to 2nd edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, came to believe, and experienced is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Right here we have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, big book dictionaries for sale. Um, If you're like me and don't carry cash cash much, um, we also extend through Zelle. Venmo, Zillow, and and merch. oh yeah, and you, yeah, you can definitely purchase merch um, from those options of transaction payment, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we meet every Monday promptly at seven fifteen. Uh, some of us show up at five thirty, help set up, and six thirty to the fellowship. Uh, we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the road to recovery tune. See you next week. The first edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book and of this group. From there is a solution also from the big book. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book carries those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting. As such, all those who have an interest in alcohol in our program of recovery are welcome. However, if you don't want, if you, you don't have to identify yourself, nor your reason for being, if you do not wish to do so, your anonymity will be protected if we also ask that you protect ours. I just so blew that. And on, on the topic of anonymity, uh, we do podcast this meeting on the internet. We got some people who listen on the World Wide Web. So 
If you don't want your voice to be heard on the internet, just disguise your voice or pass the mic when the time comes for Q&A. Can I see a show of hands of people join us for the very first time? Never been here before. Oh, wait, we got, we got two. Welcome. Good to have you guys here. Can we have a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? Okay, if your hand's not up, look at the people whose hands are up. You can talk to them, and they can get you through the book, get you connected to God, so you can start living a life that doesn't involve detoxes and breathalyzer car starting and stuff like that. So that sounds great. And trips to CVS. Well, this is... Well, this is an open meeting. Membership in this group is limited to those who wish to recover from alcoholism and have a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. Speaking of duties and responsibilities, did anybody sneak by our welcoming team and not get a big book? Who doesn't have a big book in front of you right now? We'll get you one. Big book studies there. See, we got one snuck by there. Let's get him one, Chris. Thank you. Cool. So before we begin our study of the big book, last week we didn't review a tradition because our traditionist was out fluish, and this week our traditionist is out fluish shopping Christmas-ish. So we hope to pick up the tradition starting next week. It would have been a rousing tradition, I'm sure, tonight, so we would have learned a lot. So um, I'll tell you what, turn to go home tonight and do a Google search for traditions Mm. and read them. Yeah. Uh, in order to help us stay focused as we study the big book, we use the big book study guide prepared by Joe and Charlie and Krusty Cliff of the Dallas Primary Purpose Group. And tonight, who do we have reading for us? Is it uh, Scott? We got Scott welcome, coming up. Scott's back, coming Scott. back from a little visit. Speaking of traditions, MikeChaseBeta.org, non-business orientated, has an extremely fantastic tradition series by Doc H, who will be doing a, sp- a step series starting in a couple of weeks. So that's Mike Chase Beta. Dot org and there's uh, it's twelve traditions, be the best one of the best tradition series I've ever heard. That's a fantastic it's website. A good one. I'm that glad was a you good said plug it. for Doc, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really good. Thirteen oh, weeks on twelve on. traditions. Yeah, you just got to put that. You got to put this thing behind your ear. We don't talk to you for that. And tonight we're we're going to begin <laughs> on go. page eleven. So we're going to start our study on page eleven, but we're actually going to tee up a couple pages earlier, and that, that that's what Scott's going to read there. Where are we? After the page is read. Oh, um, so after that page is read, we're going to ask questions from the podium, starting at the top of that page we just started reading from. So here's the deal. The answer can be one sentence unless otherwise specified, like three-part question, four-part questions. And those are, you know, multiple questions or simply one sentence. It's split up by a lot of commas, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. Basically, in English, what that means is that we're going to read the material once through and then redissect the material through the question and answer format. Notice how the language in the questions gives us a new light in which to consider the study material. This is important because hearing the questions and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material we just covered. And after we've completed, the, after we've completed each paragraph, we open up for comments, questions, and observations based on what was just read. If you have spiritual experience with that information, you're free to share. And if you don't, listen. Big Book Study is not therapy. Should you begin sharing about topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different setting, like sponsorship or with your therapist or at your halfway house meeting? We're going to have Al do that. We're going to have, we got Al. Al, Did we call him Al? That's cool. He's going to cut that conversation short in a polite way, I'm sure. And we have, for that same purpose, fellowship meetings before and after our study time. Yeah, the, the other part of the triangle, the fellowship part. Show up early. Hang out afterwards, get an opportunity to meet people, talk to people. You'll find that everybody's pretty much gone through the same stuff in just different outfits and different people in different places. 
we can help you through those type of life situations other than you'll get in connected to God through the book. Um, however, you can never go wrong by commenting on the page, which brings us to the words of the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, sobriety, freedom from alcohol through the teachings and practices of the 12 steps is the sole purpose of any alcoholics group. So we started 11 weeks ago on page zero. We started in the forwards because we think it's really important for the people who are getting to know what you know, about this is knowing what they're getting into. The forward contains information on how we got started, some of the information, some of the struggles, some of the successes. Um, gives you an opportunity of this lifelong organization, this way of life that you're getting into. Because, you know, you, you want to come in here knowing what you're getting into. Mm. And uh, then after that, we have the doctor's opinion, which is Dr. William D. Silkworth. He's talking about what alcoholism is. What do we suffer from if we call ourselves alcoholics? This is a three-part disease. We've got the spiritual malady. We've got the physical allergy. And we got the mental obsession. So my allergy looks like when I start drinking, I just want to drink more. I get thirstier and I want to take more and do more. And, uh, and he talks about the program of recovery too. The solution is the entire psychic change that's brought about through this mysterious spiritual solution. And what is that? Well, it's shown and it's outlined in the next chapter. You know, it's ironic. Everything we read in the forewords gets sort of like re brought to our attention, I'm not going to say regurgitated, but re-brought to our, I just did, brought to our attention in the doctor's opinion, because the guys in the forward sound a little zealot and a little extreme, you know, because it's just, well, just don't drink, go to meetings, you'll be fine. Well, we find out in the doctor's opinion that we suffer from a malady of fatality, and there's this urgency about getting people recovered, because if not, they'll die. And, and we have another chapter called Bill Story, which takes everything we've learned in the forwards and the doctor's opinion, brings it to life. A lot of people refer to Bill's story as a, uh, a, a 12-step call in print, uh, a speaker meeting. It brings to life the fellowship and the program and the problem of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we've been in Bill's story. I think this is our sixth session. Mm. Bill has uh, struggled with fun drinking, problem drinking, heavy hard drinking, alcoholism, uh, consequences, success, you know, the whole gamut that we all go through. We're at the point in time where Bill had been approached by somebody who had a solution. Bill had been trying to quit on his own for a while, completely incapable, been into a couple of detoxes. I'm sure we can relate to that. A couple, they didn't have rehabs back then, but they had a detox type thing. And Bill had absolutely no solution. He had basically just written off life. He would gone home with the intention to just drink himself to death, and he didn't want to be bothered. And out of the blue, Abby calls him up and invites himself over for a chat. And Bill's thinking, Yahoo, my drinking buddy's showing up. We're going to be able to drink in the open, you know, because you remember it was like doing the stuff behind everybody's back secretly. It's always fun to have a, have a partner show up that you can like bring out the bottles or the works and, you know, have a little party, you know, and so, and that's what he was looking forward to, except Ebby showed up with a solution and Bill was intrigued, excited, frustrated. He ended up kicking him out eventually, but um, we're going to find out how, how that works out for him. So we're going to start reading on page nine and we're going to start the part where, see, Ebby had come to Bill not with the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. He had come to Bill with the message of the Oxford Group, which was the first century Christian uh, re evangelical Protestant version of bring your life, you know, turn your life over to Jesus Christ and go down to the street with signs and witness to people. And Bill was a little bit not into that because the way he was raised. So we're going to see an experience with Bill, his struggles with trying to figure out where he is spiritually at this point, his old ideas and beliefs, his agnosticism, his atheism. He didn't even know what he was. So if we all start on the bottom of page nine, with I think one of the most important sentences in the book, he had. <laughs> Hi, my name is Scott. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hey, Scott. Uh, he had come to pass his experience along to me. 
if I cared to have it. I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat. On still Sundays, way over there on the hillside, there was that proffered temperance <clears throat> pledge I never signed. My grandfather's good-natured contempt of some church folk and their doings. His insistence that the spheres really had their music. But his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. His fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. That wartime day in the old Winchester Cathedral came back again. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are. For that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists, suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. But that was as far as I had gone. With ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated. My mind snapped shut against such a theory. Now, just so you get an idea where we're coming from, when you went to Ed, uh, Dr. Silky's um, detox rehab, it wasn't like, okay, now here's the 12 steps, here's your program of action, now get out there and start going to AA meetings. It was like they would detox you from the cravings, they would get you healthy again, nutritionally get you up and out on the wild. And then they were told, now, don't drink like that anymore. Yes, sir. And set on your way. This is so when Bill is finally has this guy coming to him with this radical spiritual, and in this case, a, a Christianic experience was his solution. He was you know, shocked and like, what are you even talking about? So this is, you know, we look at this, you know, it's like, well, duh, this is, makes sense. But this was just like just throwing at him out of nowhere. To Christ, I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him, his moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether, on balance, the religions of mankind had done any good. Judging for what I had seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affair was negligible. The brotherhood of man a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. My friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. Had this power originated in him? Obviously, it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute. And this was none at all. That floored me began to look as though religious people were right after all. 
Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When the thought had expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind of spirit, of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? See, up to this point, Ebby was selling him on the Oxford Protestant first century Christian Jesus as your spiritual way of life. He wasn't giving him the God of your own understanding. You want to be an you know, old Buddhist. You want to be uh, a, a, a Jew. You want to be. It was like this is way. This is what you're selling. This is all you got. Nothing else is going to work. And for the few hours now, Bill and Ebby were battling back and forth. You know, who's ever done cocaine and scotch and talked about religion or <laughs> politics with people, right? So here's Bill, you know, shit-faced, but pleasantly so. And, and this, this, this guy who's selling Jesus Christ to him and with all his glory to his face, and Bill's just battling tit and tat, batting back and forth, you know? All of a sudden, Ebby realizes that this is not going anywhere. But he also realized that he had to help Bill somewhere or another. So Ebby's Thatcher of bringing your life to my Savior, Jesus Christ, was like, Bill, you need something, whatever it is. He finally broke down. And a lot of people like to say that's the moment that AA might have started because it wasn't Oxford, give your life to, the, to one's conception, but whatever conception of God is going to work for you. And that opened Bill up. He was still upset and kicked him out a couple of minutes later, but uh, this gave Bill an opening, that slide in. Because I know when I came to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and if I had, had been given a specific concept of god as to be i might not be here today mm. aa we are allowed to come here and find our own path we might push in directions in here and there but we always end up where we're supposed to go which is the cool thing about aa continue that statement hit me hard <laughs> it melted the icy intellectual mountain in those shadow and i lived and shivered many years i stood in the sunlight at last so we're going to start asking questions on page 11 um, we're going to start with the second paragraph. You want to run the mic tonight? Sure Get thing. us caught up a little bit. We'll ask some questions. The way it's going to work, we're going to ask the questions from one paragraph. And we're going to open that up for some comments. For all of you who have worked the book and have notes in your book, please feel free to share. For the folks who don't have anything in their books, we have a lot of opportunity to share some. And you're also your experience. We're going to go paragraph by paragraph to keep us a little bit more energized. Um, so, first question is, page 11. Oh, here it is. What made Bill skeptical or what made Bill agnostic? The war. The wars which had been fought. Oop, is that thing turned on? You got to talk in the fuzzy. There we go. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. What was Bill's attitude towards organized religion? I honestly doubted whether, on balance, the religions of mankind had done any good. 
Judging from what he had seen, Bill believed what? Judging from what I had seen in Europe and since the power of God in human affairs was negligible, the brotherhood, the brotherhood of a man in grim jest. Who did Bill believe was boss of the universe? If there was a devil, he certainly he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. Okay, and this is open for quick comments. If anybody's got to throw something out on this, you know, this is basically referring to what we like to call uh, spiritual prejudices old ideas and beliefs that we bring into these rooms that haven't served us anything. Anybody got something to share about how old ideas that were blocking you that might have got it whittled away a little bit? Okay. Next paragraph. What did Ebby declare to Bill? But my friend. But my friend sat before me, <clears throat> and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. Who's been in a detox or rehab facility? Raise your hand. And had those like really shiny, clean AAers come in, or those NAers come in, right? And they, we look like we look like Mormon ref, Mormons, right? We just were so clean and pretty, you know. And and you look at them, and here I am, you know. With dirty underwear and a detox, smelling with people that are smelling worse than me, you know, and I'm just, these guys are full of it, you know. But Ebby knew Bill. Bill knew Ebby. So for Bill to see what Ebby was today, he knew what he was like. So when we're talking to newcomers and we're re reacting with newcomers, it's important for us to have our stories, our past, our war stories in those initial com conversations so they get an idea of what we're like before. Because we really clean up well. You know, we got that light shining and we got, you know, we're there to help people. And, and we can just look like Mormon missionaries to some people. So we got to be careful in how we present ourselves as real people after that. Mm. Um, judging from what he had seen, Bill believed what? His human will had failed. That was a quick one. Um, judging from what he had seen, Bill, oh, no, I'm sorry. Who did Bill, oh, here we go. Um, how well. Had Ebby's willpower served him, his human will had failed. Okay, next one. What hope had the doctors given Ebby? Doctor had. Into the microphone. Society was about to lock him up? Nope, the doctor had improved him incurable. What was about to happen to him? Now you can read that society part. Society was about to lock him up. What about, what, what had they both done? Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. That was Bill and Ebby, by the way. What then happened to Ebby? Then he had, in effect, then he had in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from a scrap heap to the level of a life better than the best he had ever known. You know, if we go back to that previous page, what was the first thing Bill noticed about Ebby's telephone call? Who knows that? answer he was sober he was sober right and this was his you know we all have a drinking buddy right or a part a party buddy that that we for them to show up sober would be like a miracle mm -hmm. that's what it was for him especially they didn't have meetings back then too so for somebody to show up sober was was a miracle um next paragraph had ebby accomplished this miracle by his own willpower two full sentences had his power originated in him Obvious. Oh, continue. Obviously had not. No. Yeah, obviously. I like that. Had Ebby shared the same level of powerlessness that Bill was experiencing? There had been 
there had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and this was none at all. So here sat somebody that Bill know was a hopeless wretch worse than him, mm. obviously sober, obviously happy, obviously meaningful in society. What step would that have been to him? Phew. Which would be came to believe that our power greater came to believe that our power greater ourselves could restore us to stand. He had physical evidence of Ebby there. Now this Ebby was his drunkest friend, so that really worked good for him. Anybody have anything to share on that particular paragraph? Had this power originated in him? Obviously it had not. There had been no more power to him than there was in me at that minute. And that was none at all. I remember I had this kind of weird experience when I was down here for a couple of years. And one of my childhood friends and drinking buddies, he was probably not an alcoholic. Um, but he was my attorney when I got a DUI one time. And he knew <clears> that I was <throat> down here and sober. And he said, hey, man, I want, I want, you to, I want to put you in touch. With, I want to put this guy that's a client of mine in touch with you so he can get what you got. Because he knew, like, if I could get sober, if I could go through the things that I went through, which is, like, multiple criminal charges and, and all of this uh, related to alcoholism, that, you know, there would be a good place for his friend to come and try to, try to get him in touch and get him down here, too. So we can really we can be the Ebby in people's lives sometimes. Marina. Has anybody been 12-stepped by a friend, an acquaintance, a dealer? <laughs> Hi, I'm Marina. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Marina. So reading this paragraph, it brought me back to um, one of my first AA meetings that I went to in Pompano. And I remember sitting down, we're at this table, and I see these, uh, a couple ladies, and I was just amazed just by, um, you know, how their eyes were so white and they had their lives together. And it's not, I didn't need to know them. I didn't know them personally, but from what they spoke about, I knew that we could relate. And um, I just remember them talking about, you know, their lives, like they were getting married, they had these great jobs. And for a second, I, you know, I even questioned if they were telling the truth. But then I, I saw, um, you know, them walking the walk and what they were talking about and how we could relate. And then, um, you know, I felt like a relief, like that I could have that as well. And um, it was always centered around God. So then, you know, I was willing, and um, I knew I was in the right place. So this is what this paragraph, you know, reminded me of. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. You know, the whole purpose of the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is to clear the wreckage that's blocking you from a healthy, open relationship with the higher power of your choice. Open relationship. Go for it. I'm Ronnie. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Ronnie. Um, and it was great. I had an experience this weekend that was sort of like this, um, where I went to the treatment center I had uh, had been to for a very long time, and I got to read the book with some of the guys there. And they, they know me. I don't need to tell them. I mean, they, they know a vast majority of my story. I was pretty much there for almost like three years. It was, you know, but that, that's, that's another thing. Um, you know, but I was there for a long time, you know, and these guys, they, they know who, who, you know, and, and, and to be able to come back and report to them like, hey, I'm not in captivity anymore, you know, I'm in the wild. And, you know, for them, they were just like, wow, man, I can't, you, something's working in you because you're not one of the guys that has a, has a very um, long shelf life if you don't do what you're supposed to do. You know, I, I um, you know, I'm, I'm either in or I'm out, you know, and that's, that's really, and, um, and it was a very good experience because I think that, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, sound arrogant, but it's like, I'm, I had a message of depth and weight for them because they were able to see before and after, 
And, um, you know, and, and I know that at least, like, I think back to, like, Bill's experience with Ebby, you know, had it not been Ebby and it was somebody else trying to sell what he was selling, then you definitely got to go. You know, you, you're not even coming inside to talk to me, you know, um, and, and that's probably how I would have been, you know, um, and, and not that everybody can make that sort of or recreate that sort of same experience where, like, a, a friend or somebody they know and, you know, prior comes to them, but... Um, you know, so it was a cool experience to be able to do what I was doing with these guys, and um, you know, and and they were like, "Yeah, come back," you know, and, and read with us some more, and it was it was great. Hence, one of the reasons to share in meetings when you're recovered and you have an opportunity to to share where you came from and where you're at today. Don't forget, there's a room full of people who aren't recovered who are there checking this thing out, and if they hear and see the miracles in front of, them, they may come up to you and say, you know. Hey, I related to what you said. Hi. Tanisha, recovered alcoholic. Hey, Tanisha. I love this. I love this um, this paragraph because it has like my favorite saying, and that God has done for me what I could not do for myself. And you know, starting right there, like as it says, like my human will did fail. Like I ran out of all the good ideas of how to get out of, you know, this or that court cases. Um, my fi- Finally, my back was just pinned against the wall. I could not run. I had to show up in court, you know, and it just so happened to be children's court. And I had a daughter who I was at risk of, you know, getting my custody removed. But that wasn't the first run-in with the judge, you know. That was many of one. And it just happened to be the last one that I needed just to, you know, shake me up and wake me up. Because, you know, like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Yes, definitely. That was one of the toughest judges I have ever had. Um, And she was also a drug, drug court as well. So it's like wherever you went, you had to face her. And it was just so sad because she was just giving me clear directions that I could not follow, and I still wanted to do it my way. And she obviously had some connection to this um, program because obviously she's seen that it worked. I wasn't the first one in her courtroom with a drug and alcohol problem, obviously. And so she um, court-ordered me to a program that she always sent everybody in her courtroom to. And it just so happened that um, my dad was there, like, years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so it's so crazy because, you know, at that time, like, I really wanted to jump off of the 13th floor of that building, that courtroom. They had me sign the paper, like... I was like straight zombie just walking through those halls because I had no hope. I figured, you know, what does Juliana have to do with a mother like me? You know, like, why does my family have to suffer? Because, you know, I just can't get it right. And I can't drink like them. And I go to the extreme. And it was just really, really bad. And I was at the jumping off point. But like, Like it says, God had done for me what I could not do for myself. I became completely honest with them in that courthouse and with my counselors. Like, I just, I admitted complete defeat, and I was ready. And by doing so, you know, 
I get to live this life better than the best I've ever known. And that's true. That is so true because I've come to levels of my, of like my success and, you know, it's not about materialistic things. It's like the clarity of my mind, the willingness that I have to help others, you know, um, like it's still a work in progress now. Cause you know, I'm only going on four years, but just the amount of, you know, knowledge that I've come to acquire and the style of living that I have is just so humbling. And, um, you know, not too long ago, like this past month, my dependency drug court counselor calls me and she's like, hey, they want to present the judge with an award from um, guardian ad litem, which are the voices of the children of the court. And um, I was really against them. But and then I came around and I realized how, you know, children are going through a lot of abuse and stuff. And anyway, besides the point, they chose me to present the award to my judge and I'll be presenting it in January. And I just like, like, when I, I just cried. I, I couldn't believe it that they're coming back to me and asking me to do it. And um, it's just an awesome privilege you know, an honor to actually, you know, be the one that went against her and be the one to stand next to her and present this award just because, you know, she pretty much saved my life. Like this program, it like, saved my life. Can you imagine what would have happened to Bill if Ebby had showed up a year earlier? You're right. It was like, right. You would have been able to do that? It was right on time. So who was the person that flipped you? The person when that... You came into the room. When... The judge, straight up, yeah, she took no from me. She read right through me. I chose to go outpatient, and right before she was going to order me inpatient because I was trying to be slick with it, you know? Like I said, I thought I had you guys, you know? I thought I was was the slickster, the, the one that, you know, could trick you into getting what I wanted. You know, but eventually it stopped working. Eventually it started my my power, my, you know, chicanery or something, you know, started just failing. So, you know, with that said, you know, just give this program a chance. You know, like they say, give it a year. And I sure did. And once when I stopped getting my paper signed, because I was coming to meetings getting my paper signed. And still chairing and still doing service, but I decided to stay. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing because I no longer had that n- safety net. I called it my safety net of being in the courts. So. Forced to be here. Well, thank you very right. much. Thank you. Ryan. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, hey Ryan. Ryan. Um, I love Bill's story. Um, you know, there's a lot in it that I. Obviously, I don't feel like I relate to. Like, I never worked on Wall Street. You know, I never was able to take a month off to go golfing. Um, you know, I never had money to the tunes of paper millions. Um, but there's also so much in it that I that I can see myself in. Um, and one of the lines that stood out to me in, in some of the, what we just read in a couple paragraphs back, actually, but uh, when he says, there, if there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. Um, you know, I feel like my conception of God uh, coming into this was pretty much just out of sight, out of mind, um, because I grew up with an idea of God. Um, but I, the idea that I had was that, you know, like if you follow certain rules and you do the right thing, 
then you get to go to heaven. And if you don't follow the rules and you don't do the right things, then you don't. Um, so I guess once I started to see what path my life was going down, I kind of decided that God didn't want anything to do with me. So I didn't want anything to do with God. Um, and in a, couple, a paragraph before that, he says, for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient, not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. I feel like it was very convenient for me to disregard God because if I did that, then I could still live the life that I was living with, with less guilt and less shame. Um, I remember coming down here and telling people that I didn't believe in God and I was not going to be something that I was going to get on board with. Um, it was very quickly into me going through these steps that that started to change. Um, you know, and I started with the whole, you know, getting on my knees because people told me to and praying and the whole fake it till you make it thing. And I know it sounds corny, but it works, you know, like it seemed like at the beginning I was definitely going through the motions and I don't know where the switch happened. Like I can't pinpoint it, but it's, it started to seem less like routine and it started to seem more like I was having a conversation. Um, I don't think that I ever realized that I could have a relationship with God. Um, I don't know. I didn't think that that was part of it. You know, I, I put God as like separate from us. So, um, I feel like that's something that this, this program has given to me. Um, the, these steps aren't steps to stay sober. They're, like, they're not steps to live a sober life. They're steps to have a spiritual experience and steps to have a relationship with God. Um, that's why anybody could do them. We just need to do them to stay sober. But that's not what this is. This isn't a recipe for sobriety. This is a recipe for a relationship with God. Um, so thanks for letting me share. That's all I got. Thanks for sharing. It's going to say, and we got Alan here, it's going to say in working with others that uh, we can help when no one else can. We can secure their confidence where others fail. And, uh, and that's because we have that experience. Hi, Alan, recovered alcoholic. Hey, Alan. A um, couple things in the last couple pages that we read. And just starting with 10, I cared to have it. I was shocked, but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. And it just, you see the first part where God cracks the heart of, of Bill, you know, and the door begins to open. And, and something while I was reading I thought about that I've never thought about before is the fact that Bill was still drinking while this is happening. And so often I think people misconstrue that in our generation that a person must be separated from alcohol before you can carry the message. The the message is carried to the alcoholic who's still suffering. And um, so that was just something to point out to me. And then the second thing at the top of page 11, it says, To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching, most excellent. Myself, For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. The wars which had been fought, the burnings in the territory that religious dispute had facilitated. My experience has been, after sitting with newcomers and looking back on my own experience, is I always believed in Jesus. I always believed in God. I always had some sense of spirituality inside of me. But my, what I had to learn, and I found with most newcomers, is we, our eyes are focused on the people rather than God himself. 
And so my same prejudice and my uh, resentments were with the church or with people in the church or with people who claimed to be the church. And therefore, and, and Bill's having that same, that same problem right now. He's saying his moral teaching, most excellent for myself, but he's saying a great, uh, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. And so it's these, you know, religious zealots that are claiming to be followers, but on the backside doing all these dirty, nasty things. Now, on the whole other side of that is we all do some dirty, nasty things because we're imperfect. It's those of us, and sometimes out there in those settings, is we want to claim to be perfect rather than claiming to be broken and being okay with being broken. And here, we're you know, more, more adapted to being broken. We're, we're used to being okay at, with being broken. And um, so I just think for any newcomers in here, try to get our eyes off the people who claim to be godly and get our eyes on God. And that's the change and shift for me. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. When I first came in here, one of my favorite bumper stickers was, ja, Jesus, protect me from your followers. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to jump into some more questions. We're going to go down to that last paragraph. And the question for that one, it's, it's the one that says that word. Um, how did this affect Bill? This is, by the way, getting back. Bill had just come to the realization that, whoa, this spiritual stuff that Ebby's selling me or this Jesus stuff that Ebby's selling me obviously works because look at this dude. So, question, how did this affect Bill? That floored me. Next question, how did it begin to look like to Bill? Two sentences. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. No. Here was something at work in the human heart which had done the impossible. What was happening to Bill's ideas? My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. So when we talk about prejudices, old ideas and beliefs, this is when they start. When you're sitting in an AA meeting and you're talking to people, all these ideas you have that slowly get whittled away. All, all of Bill's yeah buts are starting to get phased away. He no longer had any yeah buts after a while. Um, what did Ebby appear to be in Bill? Oh, look. What did Ebby appear to be to Bill at that moment? That's a lot of words. Never mind the musty paths. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. Yeah. What did that tell Bill? Mm -hmm. My ideas about nope. miracles. Last sentence in that paragraph. Ne what? Never mind the musty. Nope. He shouted. He shouted great tidings. What did that tell Bill? It shouted great tidings. He shouted great tidings. For Bill, who was dying, who had no solution, was finally given a solution that has proof positive that it worked. Tis the season for great tidings, too. Yeah. What did Bill see in Ebby? Now I, you can read that. Sentence. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. Did Bill see a real difference in Ebby? Two full sentences. We can pass the mic if you want, or hang on to it if you want. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. This wasn't just abstinent, Ebby. This wasn't shaking, I can't wait to get to my... This was a guy who was completely free in a whole different way. And we notice that when we see these people. When we see... When I saw people who I know before and see what they were, I knew what can do. When you sponsor people and you see the flip and you see the change, you know this is true. Uh, the next, par next paragraph. Did seeing this miracle change Bill's idea about God? 
Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. Remember, his ideas were based on years and years of input and bad information and stereotypes. Oh my gosh, it's so hard to get rid of some of that sometimes. What word did Bill definitely dislike? The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. Yeah. How did the idea of a personal God affect Bill? Two sentences. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. Did Bill continue to cling to his agnostic views? I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens. However, as, as, uh, yeah, okay. as time passed, did Bill find others who shared his ideas of God? I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. Okay, so this one's open. This is that moment of, uh, wow, my old ideas and beliefs are starting to fall apart. Maybe this God idea is going to work. Maybe this, this turning my life, which is my thinking and my actions, my will, which is my actions, over to care of God, didn't seem like such a bad idea because the people I know were having a good go of it. Anybody got anything to share about this? You know, it may take a good conversation with somebody or sitting through a few minutes. You know, I think if Bill was given a white chip the day Bill showed up, Ebby showed up, you know, if, if by the way, but here, Bill, here's your white chip, you know, welcome to Oxford or whatever they're doing. Like, I, I have a feeling that Bill would have picked up a few white chips before he finally became willing to do what needed to be done. This was Bill's seed planting. You know, he, he did kick Ebby out eventually because he just got tired of him trying to sell this to him. But it planted a seed in Bill, and Bill started sneaking over to the Oxford groups. And he's showing up drunk to the Oxford group. You're going to find out that he was showing up, I mean, just really drunk. And they brought drunken sailors to him, and he was misbehaving. He would jump up on the altar, singing with the tambourine, doing a whole, whole rabble-rousing type thing. So, yeah, Bill would, have had a, Bill would not have been a one-white chipper. I know that for sure. Um, next paragraph. We're up right for, oh, hi. Oh, good. Hi, Marina, still an alcoholic. Hey, Marina. <laughs> so when I came into these rooms, you know, I always had God, but I remember that um, my God never got me sober. And I remember that every time I went to pick up drugs, I would always cry before I picked up the drugs because I knew what I was about to do. And every time I drink, I would cry after I drink. So I was crying a lot every single day. And always, you know, shouting out to God, like, God, help me. I can't live like this. God, God, help me. So when I came into these rooms and everybody's talking about, you know, a higher power, God, at first I was a little skeptical because I'm like, God has not gotten me sober this far. But when it became clear to me that it was a personal God, um, you know, that's when I realized this might actually work. And um, little by little, it, you know, it was, it was true. It was working for me. Um, so I think definitely give it a shot. Um, make sure it's a personal God and not your old concept of God. So thanks. How many That's people sure. would come to after a nice run and see the devastation the past few days had caused and the position, the fact, and then pray on, oh, my God, I promise I'm never going to get drunk again. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to stop cheating. I'm going to go help charities. I'm going to adopt kittens and dogs. I'm going to build wonderful. And what's, what happens by noon? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a little extreme, you know, and which is what the whole thing is different. The spiritual experience is a direct result of the steps. 
you know, we can want this. We can do very few people occasionally have a white light grace experience, but then if you don't follow through with anything like I did once, you lose it eventually. So uh, let's go to the next paragraph. We got somebody here to share. Did you want to share? Oh, hi. Oh, Barbie alcoholic. Hi. Um, I just kind of want to piggyback off of the last few um, paragraphs, actually. And it's funny because, like, the more you read the book, every single time you realize, like, which step is what, you know, what prayer's in there, like, when it's describing something. Because, like, in the back, I was able to, like, you know, sit there and realize, like, every single time when it talks about, um, it goes, where did it Well. I'm just, I, I can't find the place, but it's just like in, this, in the 11-step prayer, you know, that is by dying that one awakens. Like every single time, either it was when I was in like active addiction, like that kind of alcoholic torture that I put myself through, like God was always there. Those cries that I did out, it's just it's God's timing. It's not mine. Even now in sobriety, there's times where I'm going to feel like I'm dying too in sobriety. I mean, I'm always going to be happy. I'm always going to be joyous. Because I'm free from that bondage of self, but sometimes, you know, the more that life piles on, things are going to happen. I'm going to feel a certain way. I'm going to feel like I'm dying because the same, like the things that happened yesterday, is I'm not going to feel the same way today. And like I know every single time that I go through a period of pain, like I just reawaken, like to this whole new spiritual experience because like God always sits there and he always shows me exactly what it is that I need to do. Like today I have like this awareness. I have a sponsor. I get to go to God for everything. I don't have to depend on myself. I don't have to sit there and, you know, focus on things. Like if I need help, I can reach out for help, you know, because I, when I don't want to ask for help, it's because I'm sitting there in my ego thinking that I'm, that I'm special. I'm not special. And like, I learned like It was, I think, a few months ago, like, a really good acronym for ego, which was edging God out. And, like, I can't afford to edge God out because, like, when I sit there and I edge God out, you know, like, just like Tanisha, I lose custody of my kids at birth. I'm sticking a needle in my arm, you know, pregnant with my last child. Like, that's what happens when I edge God out. And, like, to sit there and have, like, this conception where I don't have to, like, put everything on, you know, that religion that I knew growing up, like, that's that takes a lot off. Because it's my personal relationship, and that's what makes me feel special with the God that I have today. You know, because I get to sit there, and I get to have this guide through this book. Like, I wish normal people had 12 steps, you know. And, you know, especially, like, with my family now with the holidays and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm like meeting, book, sponsees, like service, 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 service. Because, like, I have to realize that. You know, God changed me, and only he can continue to change me, but that's only after I continuously make sure I improve that relationship with him. We're going to be using a novel word in a few minutes called conception. Everybody put up your thumb. Everybody has a thumb, right? But everybody's thumb is different, right? Everybody's got their own little wiggles, the size, and stuff like that, but it's a thumb. And who has, everybody has, has, let's say, everybody has a mother, right? Your conception of your mother is kind, considerate, does the laundry, feeds the, feeds the dog, and, and takes care of my house. My brother's conception of my mother was somebody who helped him with homework and, and drove him to school and, to, and took him to the games. My father's conception of my mother was he's in love with this woman. She's hot. She's sexy. And they flew around. My, my, other sister's, <laughs> my other's conception of my mother is stepsister. She's pushy and controlling, and I don't like her, you know. But it's still... My mother. So when we talk about conception, 
your own conception of God. It's not, okay, let's all reinvent and come up with your own, you know, invent a God. It was, we have God. There's a Jewish conception of God. There's a Muslim conception of God. There's a Christian. There's a Hindu. There's like the American Indians. They got 47 different conceptions of God. Christians, oh my God, Baptists, right-wing bastards, left-wing Baptists, you know. We've got the Lutherans and the Evangelicals and the Protestants and then the different levels of... But it's still one God. Everybody has its own conception of God. Everybody here has your own personal conception of God. You may both go to the same church, but I bet you you wrote down on separate pieces of paper what this God conception, Jesus conception is. It's going to be a little bit different, which is so cool about this. But don't forget, Ebby wasn't given Bill that option. He was selling him that first century Christian ideology of the Oxford group. And he was just, Bill was like, don't be pushing this down my throat. And at this point in this next paragraph, this is when Ebby cracks and says, I don't want this guy to die. Okay, Bill, Ebby would have gotten kicked out of the Oxford group for this move, you know? This is where he takes the whole Oxford group selling point, you know, the whole missionary kind of, and sets it aside and says, okay, this guy's got to find it, so... This is one of my most favorite paragraphs in the book, of my many favorite paragraphs in the book. <laughs> so, when Ebby realized Bill's predicament, what did Ebby suggest to Bill? Two sentences. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Who was sponsored or brought to somebody and you weren't really all cool on their conception of church and God and spiritual. But you like, this is when Ebby just finally said, okay, it's going to be cool for you. That's when Bill opened up. That's when I opened up. How did Bill, how did that suggestion hit Bill? That statement hit me hard. It and melted. It what melted? melted? Do we do sentence at a time? What melted? It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. Okay, last sentence in that paragraph. Bill then stood where? I stood in the sunlight at last. Cool. Anybody want to share in that moment? Sure, I'll share. Oh, sure, hi. Man. I fight you hey over guys. there. That's good. Scott, recovered alcoholic. Scott. Uh, this statement probably changed my life. Uh, when I entered in these rooms and I heard about God, I was like, I've been in church for 40 years. You can't tell me about God. God hasn't done anything for me in this problem. And I really don't want to hear about it anymore. And my sponsor said, you don't have a relationship with God. That offended me because my ego was like, oh, you don't know what I've done for 40 years. But the, when I got to step three and it said, turn your will and your life over to God. If you really, truly mean that. You have to have an understanding of God. There has to be something there that you're willing to trust. And I went back to this statement over and over again. And in the end, what I did was I just got rid of everything I didn't like about church. And I went down to the very basic of what I thought God would be like. And it worked for me. And then when I hit step three and could see this conception of God that worked for me, everything else clicked. It's a powerful statement. Thanks for sharing. Thanks. 1984, I'm sitting in a high-pollutant, overpriced facility. And uh, they, they, they told me, so you can have your own conception of God, Mike Chase. And I go, like, mm -hmm, I got you here. Okay, my conception of God is going to be mm, Glenda the Good Witch. And they looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, she floats around in a bubble. She's kind of cool. Um, when the shit hits the fan for Dorothy, she shows up and she fixes it. But she also puts people into Dorothy's life. 
as Lord, and gives her direction. She doesn't take complete control of her. She gives her options and choices and puts good people in her life. But she's really stuffy and boring. So I decided to put Dolly Parton in the bubble with her, too, because she's fun and exciting. And I said, so my conception is Dolly Parton and Glenda the Good Witch in a bubble. And they said, that's so cool. And I was like, I'm thinking, oh, shit. <laughs> and the cool thing is, to this day, it's still kind of maybe sort of like dad, my conception of God. We all got our own. You guys want to have fun sometime? Go out to dinner and just share conceptions of God. It started there, and it grew. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in our power of great in ourselves. Nothing more was required to make my beginning. When I start working with guys and gals in the book in my red room, when we sit down and read the book, I always start out with a prayer, and I throw a, a swear word into the prayer. And, and I get this look of like, oh, my God, he just swore in a prayer. And, and I do that for one reason, one reason alone, to show them that this is not some standardized spiritual religious thing that got you signing into this is a conception that's going to be a, a, shader, a shattering of your beliefs, and you have an opportunity to come up with a whole new way to do it. They don't think I'm, they, they realize I'm not full of shit trying to sell them some other form of spirituality. It's like, this is your choice. This is the real deal, which is what it's about. It's just a matter of being willing to start to do. It's all about, that's all it takes. And as we get through the book, you know, the funny thing is, we agnostics is like three or four chapters away. But by the time you get done with Bill's story, those issues you had with God should be shattered and broken. You should be in a path to being open to understanding what God's about, which is so cool about this book because it's so sneaky, isn't it? <laughs> he just read, we just read Bill's story. Do you know what he was doing the entire time? Pointing his finger at us going, did, 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 but not. Because I'm reading Bill's story and going, that's me, that's me, that's me. Well, that's my friend, but that's me, that's me, and stuff like that, you know? The whole thing about this is just God just is so, so smooth as you would say, to get us to where we need to be. And it's going to say elsewhere in the book that a much more important demonstration of these principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. And I always thought that this is kind of, this is a really humble demonstration of spiritual principles on Ebby's part, because Ebby is actually willing to sacrifice his own personal conception of God. He's willing to not be right and not shove his own conception down Bill's throat and he sacrifices that out of love, out of brotherly love for his friend Bill. And why don't you choose your own conception, man? And, he's, and it melted the icy intellectual mountain, and Bill stood in the sunlight at last. And so it's like he, he, didn't, he didn't try to argue the point. He actually surrendered, and in surrendering that to his friend, his friend was given that life. And that's, and that's almost a Christian idea, you could say, but there's a lot of traditions that also have that idea. So that, I like that demonstration. So Ebby decided he started showing up to the Oxford group. Like I said, he started showing up drunk. He's challenging them. But the spark had been laid. And he was also furious because he wanted to be the guy who brought the solution to Ebby. So he was going to go be a better Oxford group than Ebby was, but he still didn't like the Oxford group that much, as, as we find out later on. So um, <laughs> Power sharing it. Ebby I got a, on my webpage, MikeChase.org, there's a, uh, uh, a speaker. It's uh, <laughs> the day Dr. Bob died. It's, uh, it's a docu drama of the day, Dr. Bob, by a, uh, the current, he was a circuit speaker in the 40s, his name was Bill M., and uh, he was given permission by Bill to go and tell a story. He would go to, like, anniversaries and, and conventions and, and pretend he's Bill W. and tell his story. So, the story of the day Dr. Bob died is actually the story about Bill W. and Alcoholics Anonymous. So, MikeChase.org, the day Dr. Bob died, check it out. I'll give you links, you guys, in here. It's amazing. I just gave it to you. And it brings this whole Bill story to life. It talks about, you know, the, the, the attitude that Bill had of him, Ebby, sitting there like, 
Yeah, it just brings it to life, and it's yeah, so good. It's a, it's a great tape. I remember before I could be alone at perfect peace and ease, before I got those fifth step promises, I was on that website a lot. That's all I would do at the halfway. I would just be listening to these speaker tapes, and that was one of those tapes. And it's a, it's a great resource, for yeah, sure. brings bills to life. Um, we're going to wrap up the meeting now. So next week, we're going to be up here again. Rob will be back. His friends will be out of town. You'll be here, as always, thank goodness. Don, I'm fine. Hopefully, we'll have a traditionist here. Um, if not, you can go to MikeChaseBeta.org and listen to a really good tradition, which is really good. Um, he's really great. We'd like to th- thank Scott for coming up. Thank and you. Give some ring, yeah. Scott. Good to see you here. Thank you. And Tanisha for being a really good, what are you, secretary-ish? Secretaries, that's a, that's Secretariat. Yes. yes. So we have, uh, let's wrap this thing up. And thank you guys for showing up again tonight. It's always an honor to have you all here. Um, closing guide. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but you obviously can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. So it is the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for member sponsors to introduce their new sponsees by presenting them with a sponsorship medallion. I.e., if you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and you have a sponsor, you want to introduce them to the rest of the family, this is the time to do it. Speak into the fuzzy end. Oh, goody, goody. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Ryan. Um, I met Jordan a couple weeks ago. Um, we've met up and we've read Preface, Forwards, The Doctor's Opinion. We're going to be meeting this week to do... Bill's story, um, so I'm kind of glad we did it here first. I have less work to do. Um, so I just want to introduce Jordan to the group, um, so get to know her, um, and let's show her what we do. I always like to listen to that Bill W. tape before I bring somebody through the Bill W. story, so I'm energized and got some more backstory to bring it to life. Do you have someone to give one to? I sure don't. One let me go today, though, so is there, there's no medallion for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you have to go back and get their book back from them and their medallions. Rip his patch So, but we do have a very special occasion. By the way, uh, this is also the time where we give medallions for continuous sobriety of years or more. And uh, one of my special people in the world is picking one up to buy another one of my special people in this world, and that would be Miss Marina. Okay. Hi, Marina Alcoholic. Hey, Marina. So this medallion's for Alan for three years. And, um, you know, he's come a long way. And I just want to tell you guys how sick he was a year and a half ago because after a month of officially dating, he asked me to marry him. And if you want to know how sick I am, I said yes. So, (laughs) no, but honestly, this has been like a great year. Um, I never got to see him in active um, alcoholism, but I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories from his kids, and, um, you know, it was like low-bottom drunk. So to see how far he has come and um, how much work he puts into this fellowship and um, how much he, he works with men, you know, like late nights. Um, there's been a few times I'll complain, and then I realize that this is what's keeping him sober. So I can't be selfish, um, but I'm so proud of you and the work you continuously do. So come get it. Yay!
recovered alcoholic. Hey, Alan. Nasty's pregnant. Hey, is that official? <laughs> Out to the world, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a little too late to say now. Um, yeah, I, I just want to say for anybody in this room, this program saved my life. Uh, these 12 steps saved my life. And working with those drunks continues to save my life. I don't know what to do without working with other drunks. Um, I don't know where I would be. I'd probably be back in a mental institution, probably be chained to a bed, uh, probably be in jail, because uh, that's where I've been. I was just looking through all my mugshot photos, and I could only find some of the best ones. <laughs> I, I, somebody got rid of the really trashy ones. But um, I'm just grateful. <laughs> I go to my yearbook, and you go to your mugshot <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have a yearbook. I um, I just want to say thank you to the people in this room, my wife, of course, and um, and Mike Chase. Mike Chase brought me through a very, very, very funky year, very difficult time, and that's what the people in this room do. That's what we do for each other, and um, and so I'll continue trudging the road. This has been the hardest year uh, of my life, to be honest, and still is going through different challenges, different growing. Uh, seasons and periods, and so I'm just trying to stay close and uh, stay close to drunks because that's what keeps me sober and somewhat sane. Uh, Give him a round of applause. God is amazing. You know, there's this monk. He's walking down the road one day, and off to the right, he comes across a, a, a poor beggar, one-armed guy begging for alms, and he's like, oh, bless you, my soul. Yeah, bless you, my soul, because he doesn't have any money. Walks by, comes along and finds you know a, a homeless family begging for money, and he just, I bless you, and walks by. Comes across, you know, some guy who's just a leper, and he says, "Bless you, my soul." And this 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 monk is just devastated by all this pain and suffering he sees in the world, and he goes into the to, to his temple and he, he prays to his God. He says, "God, why is there so much suffering? You're a loving, kind, compassionate God. Why do you let so much of this exist?" Why don't you do something about this? And he hears this big, booming voice. I sent you, and all you did was walk by. You are not that monk. This is a man who goes out of his way to help people. You call him late at night to get a detox run. This guy, well, poor Marina. You know, <laughs> the forebodings. <laughs> but it's an honor, and I see, the lot, everybody, I see a lot of people in this room are on that same thing. That's what this is about. We got a friend of ours, Pat, who's doing the step series on Thursday, and he he said something one time. He said, "If you're not working with others, others will be working with you." Mm. So that's a good one. He's got some fire. So come for Thursday for more. By the way, this is his last <laughs> Thursday night, so come and check him out. We're taking on. It's going to be uh, up here tonight. Next week, it's what we call it: uh, Alcoholics and God Unplugged. It's a, it's an intimate, romantic. Well, not romantic. Well, bring a date. It's <laughs> it Christmas be, weekend. Yeah. You know, it could be. But it, it's, it's, this is where, this is when, when Pat really lets down the guard and, and when he's up in this, this room. So that's definitely check out this Thursday. Once again, we're going to be back this Monday. And two Thursdays from now, we are having Doc H, H staring, starting his step series. He'll be down in the big room for that one. We've got some flyers, so you guys take those out and pass them to people you don't like because they'll become better people after listening to him. <laughs> don't bother bringing your friends that you like. They'll become even nicer. Is anyone in need of a big book sponsor? Is anyone or a sponsor who doesn't do anything? Anyone in this room not have a sponsor? We got a gal who could use some help back there, ladies. Good. You're in a room full of hey. women who know what they're doing. 
Um, where are we? I'm completely lost. If you'd like to become a member of this group, please join us after the meeting to fill out a membership card. Can all home group members raise your hands? Oh my gosh, look at them. We got a few here tonight. We don't have to flip the room tonight, which is so... How do you like this, this, this romantic? You like this? Yeah. If anybody has the urge out there in the internet world, too, if somebody wants to donate 67, no, 82 uh, TV trays... <laughs> Because then we could not do tables. We just put little TV dinner trays out in front of everybody. That would be, like, totally cool, okay? So anybody out there with those funds would be fun. 88. Actually, 110, but that would be cool. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. We hope to see you next week or Thursday. Hopefully there will be enough seats here this Thursday. And that's 715, mm-hmm. Alcoholics and God, mm-hmm. Step Series Workshop, Pat R. Please wait 75 feet away. Oh, from oh, oh, most important thing. Tomorrow is a big holiday, in case you guys aren't aware of it. I thought it was Wednesday, but there's a big holiday tomorrow. And the day after, that's another big holiday. And this is that time of year where people tend to, like, zap and go crazy and do things they're not supposed to. So there are alkathons going around in the community. I would suggest uh, Lambda's going to have, like, some really, really good food at their alkathons. Um, 12-step house is probably going to have ribs and beans and stuff like that, some good stuff. 101 Club will have an Elkathon and invite some friends over and have your own little Elkathon. But here's the deal. Don't be alone. Yeah. Reach out to those sick and suffering, you know? Yeah. Go help out in a, in a homeless shelter. Go help out at, you know, at the Serenity Club or someplace. Don't die this weekend. Go out and be with people. Lock yourself in the bathroom and listen to MikeChaseBeta.org if you have to. <laughs> I said, don't die. <laughs> and that's not me talking. That's just, he was supposed to, like, do it. How's that coming, by the way? Learning WordPress. <laughs> so, um, everybody, wait 75 feet till you're out there. Unless you're a vapor. If you're a vapor and you want to stick around and help tear down the room, you're allowed to go on the balcony as long as you're in a fit spiritual condition. Go out in the balcony and, and vape your little heart out there and help tear down the room. Sure. Like a special thanks to our sound guy in the back. That's Mike. Yeah. He never gets. Should we, should we close with the I Lord? think we should close. It's about time okay. to find a leaf. All right. Our Father. <laughs>
sun comes shining through. But when you cry Shine, 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 let it shine. 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Sing along 
and stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share, nothing could come song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?